bus. Dirty sneakers and 40 bucks. Trying to find a better way in life when we surrounded by thieves and murderers. Eat pizza and burn burgers. Silver servants that don't serve us. Raise blades and stash burners. Bricks on bricks on bricks. Seems like the whole world is turned a blind eye to all of these project kids. Section 80. I've been on the block watching all the cops getting wavy. TV, what have you believe? We sitting back fat, black, and lazy. This is when all that we got is us. This is when handouts are not enough. Sports programs are programs, job programs getting cut. And all I'm trying to do is feed my babies in these killers here. It's just locking this up. Rocks in the pocket, running out of options. Bodies on the copy, money in the bank. I don't think there's anything I can do to stop it. The 45, the clip is inside, and I'm looking for reasons to pop it. My predicament is shocking. Living here is very toxic. It seems like everybody's watching. Ain't nobody doing nothing. It's alarming. Voted for Obama. We ain't got no fathers. Rappers are martyrs. Put our faith in the revolver. Getting chased by helicopters. Monsters are all around us. I'm running for my own problems. I can't even pay the bills. I can't admit what is real. I'm just rapping what I feel. The whole block behind bars. It's Chuck from Above the Basement, Boston Music and Conversation. Indie hip-hop artist, rapper, songwriter, and contemporary painter, Boston Mass native Mo Pope is a talent. His lyrics reflect his story, touching on community, fatherhood, love, and the human condition. Formerly with Bay Area-based hip-hop band Mission, he returned to Boston to form Electric, also known as Electric Company, and later formed Project Move. In 2010, with Boston producer Rain, he released the critically acclaimed Life After God and is currently collaborating with 2016 Boston Music Award Producer of the Year, The Archetype, with his project Still Gold. You just heard a song called Tough off the album Torch Song. A bit later, you'll hear Sunrise from My Monday Morning Music. And at the end, another song off the album Torch Song called Torch Song. So here is our conversation with Mo Pope, recorded at Woods Hill Table in Concord, Massachusetts. I was here and I, I look outside and I see a Mo Pope looking around like he's lost. I'm like, is, is that Mo? I'm like, it is Mo. And I saved his life. You did or save him. Or, or at least I got him some fries. Oh, you really is, got our listeners' attention now. How did you save his life? <laughs> I got him some fries and a beer. That's really what, all you need, right? It worked. Yeah. Now I'm ready for Concord, yeah. You ready you, to do Concord or what? I'm ready to do it. I'm here. It's good to have you here. West Concord. West Side. Let's do it. Makes it sound very hip. Yeah. West Side. <laughs> <coughs> uh. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. God, I know it's embarrassing. So, Mo, the first time I I ran into you, I mean, actually, we didn't. I didn't run into you. I saw you uh-huh. from an audience at Isotope. Uh, Isotope, yeah, yeah, at the, at the at the State of Live Music. Oh yeah, it was one of the third ones I'd been to. You probably been asked this a lot. 
especially since you wrote the initial letter. And we don't have to get into the whole thing about it because I'm uh, sure you mean. Uh, let's if, talk if, about it. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm sure, I don't know if you're, if you're sick of it. But you wrote a letter because there was an award show that had dropped the hip-hop uh, All black music. category. All black music. So, Not just hip-hop. So it was hip-hop. So hip-hop, blues, jazz, R&B. Yes. <laughs> All of it. And and you wrote a very honest, and you didn't mince any words, really. You wrote a letter. Did you expect that kind of reaction when you wrote that? No, no, because I speak my mind a lot, so I didn't know why people gravitated to this more than any other time. I mean, the thing is, is that if you thought it out a little bit, you would know that um, it was the wrong decision to do. That's not... What you do and then call your award ceremony the New England Music Awards because then it's not indicative of the whole of New England. Call it the Rock Awards, call it the, the Metal and Hardcore and Punk Awards, or call it the Alternative Awards or something else. But you can't have music in New England without black music, you know, and I think that's what resonated more with people more than anything you know uh, music is great because it's not about black or white it's just it's about music but when you take out jazz blues hip-hop <laughs> you know that turns it into something else the thing that's more sad more than anything is that nobody noticed nobody noticed that there were no brown people in the room nobody they didn't bat an eye at it and like at the award show yeah. yeah so i was like you know the fact that no one noticed when I, you know, obviously, when I look at like a band like Walter Sickert and the Army of Toys, I think that's a good representation of kind of what America is. You know, it's mm. diverse sexually and and racially. They're very different people. You know, so when I see a band like that, you know, I think of them as a good representation of what things are going on in the world. But even they didn't really notice what was going on. <laughs> You know, they didn't notice, like he, he admitted that he did not know that mm. these categories were cut and that there were essentially no brown people in the room besides like people in his band, you know. Yeah. So you can't call it the New England Music Awards and not have us. Can't do that, <laughs> you know. It's, it's not New England then, you know. Right. I mean, you, you, no matter how you slice it, it's black, brown, white. I mean, mm. it's it, the fact is, is that the music that's a huge, it's a uh, huge gift bummer period to the, yeah. to the Boston community of those genres. Yeah. So we were just talking to Charles Haynes, who's a drummer. Charles Dog uh, Haynes. Woo! So good. Do you know Charles? Yeah. Oh yeah, man. So, I grew I grew up with Charles Dog. Hit like when he started playing when he played at Berkeley and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, we were around during the same uh house parties and stuff so my upbringing and me rapping and stuff like that was totally synonymous with charles dog haynes i was able to go to house parties where he was playing and i got to spit over him playing the drums he was talking about wally's and uh mm -hmm. hearing a lot of jazz and how wally's is like you said shows that it's about the music and nothing else it's blindfolds mm -hmm. black white doesn't matter oh yeah that's fantastic and but without the black demographic in the early days there would be no wallies mm -hmm. that's the thing like <laughs> you know there wouldn't be scores of white kids that want to play there and and go to berkeley and play jazz if it wasn't for the brown people that that came before it you know so <laughs> why take that out of it hip-hop is the biggest music in boston period we can't argue that because there are facts to go behind this. The biggest stars as of right now today are hip-hop artists. 
the hip-hop artists who have come out of Boston. If you're saying that there wasn't enough turnout or there wasn't a good, accurate <laughs> representation of the music, well, then maybe there needs to be some type of change in how you select. That's what I would have done as a business owner. That's what I feel like you do. If things aren't working, you switch the format. You know, and he chose not to do that and just go with what he, what he knew. And if you're going to go with what you know, then just call it the, you know, the I'm going to go with what I know awards, you know, <laughs> you know, rather than. That just rolls off the tongue, you know, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know I, don't I don't know why I didn't do that to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Can I interrupt you one second? Um, no, that's fantastic. That's us. <laughs> it's me and you. I'm going to text it to Charles right yeah, now. Yeah, thanks for paying attention, Ryan. Uh, Let's have, no, I'm texting Charles. I'm um, going to have him uh, call okay. in oh, as a okay. FaceTime. If we're bringing, we'll have Charles come in and he can he If can we're bringing in. Charles in, that's he, okay. He I and mean, me, talk. That's me and Charles, and, I honestly don't even know if Charles remembers me. It was a big deal for me. Charles is like a jazz head in the gospel. He was in, into um, the church. Right. You know, so when I was younger, so it's like... But I'm I'm a music fan. I'm a music lover. So when I when I heard this dude, I was like, "Who is this dude?" Charles Dark Haynes. I was what 19 years old when I even younger, 17 years old when I seen him. So I was like, "Yo, this guy right here is one of the illest drummers I've ever seen." And then I met Adam Deitch, and I was like, "This guy's one of the illest drummers I've seen." And then I saw them battle. Oh, you know, I saw them. Battle, you saw them um, do a drum to drum. A drum. Probably about two years later, I seen them do a drum off. And when I think about it, it's like the acrobatic was there. Mr. Liff, who's a Boston icon. Uh, Marco Benevento was there, who's big. I don't know if you know Marco Benevento, but he's nasty. We're learning. We're, uh, we're trying to learn. Uh, pianist. He's a huge artist uh, today. So I'm lucky that I grew up in Boston during that time because Boston had no music. Didn't really have a hip-hop music scene until that time, and we got to see all this crazy stuff happen at the it same time. It kind of grew, right, like yeah. 20 years ago? Yeah. Because yeah. we talked about, at the 99, we were talking about Atlanta a little bit. Do you think they came up in parallel? Atlanta is definitely well ahead of us because, I mean, you think of Atlanta artists. I can think of huge Atlanta artists. I mean, Outkast being... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's no outcast from Boston yet, but we're getting there. I think we're getting there. There's no Ludacris yet. No, there's no, there's no, <laughs> there's no Ludacris. There's no outcast. There's no Andre Three Thousands coming through that door. You but know? it's growing though. But right? uh, it is growing. I mean, Cousin Stiz, Michael Christmas, Slain, obviously is still doing great music. Um, Mr. Lift just popped back into the Boston scene. You know, after being away for a little while, but the, the musicianship dovetailing into that. I mean, you work with a lot of others, which is what I, something I like about your style. It's the fact that you've had different producers you've worked with, but also different singers. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I wonder if you could talk about that collaborative process. And is that something you've always liked to do, or is that a newer thing? Yeah, I mean, I started in a band called uh, Mission. The mission band consisted of a Latino bass player who grew up in Wisconsin, Ashland, Wisconsin, very small town, um, a Filipino classically trained pianist, and another Latino uh, beat machine guy, Woodstock, that's my man, Peter Alvarado, and then me and Rashawn were the, were the vocalists. And, uh, oh, and Max McVitie, who grew up in the Berkshires, was our drummer. Very diverse. We all grew up in very different parts of the country and badass musicians. I think I got spoiled because that was my first time. 
you know so i just assumed this is how you do it this is what you're supposed to do how old were you at the time i was 19 19 years old is the year that my daughter was born was also the first time i recorded my first song you're primarily a vocalist right i play a guitar yeah I play guitar yeah and uh, i'm lucky enough that some of my uh my writings have made it to the record but uh i wouldn't call myself the best guitarist in the world but i can i can do enough that i can write do, do you play a lot less lately but uh, i'm picking it back up i actually picked it back up last week been uh tinkering with a few things but yeah I, I like to write you know i don't think i'd ever play it on stage i'm not i'm not good enough but I, I can write a song with it and that's really what matters to me archetype talked about how you will throw back ideas to each other yeah do you find that you can have a line or a rhyme or something that just sort of works for you first or mm-hmm. do you sort of you take what he or others have given you and you place rhyme to that definitely more that more the latter yeah more the latter if i hear something that makes me feel a certain way i'll write to that the way that it makes me feel there's some songs that obviously feel like you can you know run through a brick building and then there's some songs that make you feel like all right well this is about the hardships of growing up then there's some songs that it's like all right this is a sunny day (laughs) you know and i think that that's more what works for me rather than I, I very rarely write um, without having a beat or some type of something to drive it. It's Monday morning music. Yeah, Max with him. We could chill a bit. I'm staring at the baby who lusciously lick her lips. Who let the snare tell her where the hips go? Who bubble into this flow? Shake it up, girl. In the club till you vibing in your own world And you forgot about your dude and your homegirls Ain't no problems, we got more that you can pop to For city kids who tweeting my latest haku And put your ass on it, about to let it go I'm in the hootie with a groupie letting L's blow It's for the workaholics and scholars Thick babies taming Rottweilers Pretty ladies making sure dollars holler back Sip a bit of wine and reclining my chit chat This is Monday morning music for the fathers Who do their job and Put the brakes on a nigga with a problem Mopoke.tumblr.com Boston, fuck off if you're not from Wake up the sunrise 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 And I, I You're writing my name And graffiti on the wall Hoping when I'm gone that my people will recall mine Letters to the world over beat breaks Hold them all accountable, especially the DJs But I ain't trying to start no fight With a silly kid privy to the stereotypes Might have had a neck knocking Pen on paper and MCIB God sent me to humble them Hymns in the church, verse 2, last chapter Word pornographer, lyric haberdasher Mastermind in the flesh, the fresh dick blaster So out of this world, people think I'm on a NASA Hovercraft mastering my way through space Looking for another alien to take my place So you'll have music, melody, or beat, or all of the above mm-hmm. That will inspire your lyrics? Yeah, huh. yeah, definitely That's more you get a of feeling. how I like to do it, yeah And that's even with uh, working with Rain and Head Nod uh, That's the guy from uh, the band Mission that's really how 
I've always done it. You know, I don't think I know any other way to mm. to do it. Although I can write a poem, but I don't think it would. I don't think placing that poem with orchestrated music does the same thing. I like to have the music tell me what to do. We talked last week with Ruby Rose Fox, and then before that with Don Henley about marrying that the word to that note. Mm. I'm wondering. Just excuse my ignorance here. You, okay? you guys talked to Don Henley. We did. That's we, pretty cool. Yeah, we wanted to talk. To, <laughs> yeah, it was Don Henley, Mo Pope. We wanted these we yeah, big, you know, big three. Hey man, Don Henley, Mo Pope, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, he's he was great, great guy. It wasn't the same Don Henley, the Eagles? No, no, it was Don Henley. It's but. actually Chuck's barber. Yes. Who, who, uh, I, I don't have a barber, man. Oh, he doesn't have a barber. You making bald. fun of my baldness? <laughs> what did you want me to say that was so? The marrying of the note to the you, you may you may say it better than I do. By the way, the Advil's really kicking in. Kick it in you right took now. four of them, man. Usually takes about fifteen minutes, and then. All right, so, what did Don, what did Don say about marrying the note, the the word to the note, right? Right. So, pull your head together, man. <laughs> pull it together. <laughs> no, Chuck's right. What Don said was putting not just the word to the melody. Mm-hmm. But it was the actual word to, like you said, the actual note meaning. So a certain phoneme, like Ruby talked about, would be, I'll give you an example, microphone. You know, you'd have microphone, and then one of those phonemes in microphone would connect with a certain note. And that note would resonate with somebody. So my question is, uh, I mean, you're you're all about words, yeah, right? Does that kind of explanation of marrying the word or the f- the phoneme you called it right mm-hmm. is that what it's called phoneme phoneme excuse me to the note does that resonate with you at all or is it really Whoa. just a feeling for you more and you're just kind of going along with the flow of the sound that you're I hearing or? i start more than i like my words are more like like drums drum patterns so it's like i know for in brazil for sure they don't allow you to use the instrument unless you can say it you know, so if you're a drummer, you know, they make you scat like like you know, before you ever get to play. So if you can't say it, they're not gonna let you play it. That's how I get my words. Like I use my words kind of like the pattern of a drum. I place the words as if they're you know, the beat's going. But if anything, uh, it's more of a percussion instrument to go along with the, the beat, you know. So I could see how a singer could get married to certain chords and stuff like that because there are certain sounds when you sing just sound right for you as a singer. I think as a rapper, it's sharp, stabbing sounds. The words are are sharp. You're hitting it on the one and, you know, you don't always have to hit it on the one. It's like you can no, play around it more with it that's, more. That is what really, I think, separates some rap hip-hop artists from others is is the lag mm-hmm. it is that percussive quality you're talking about but it's mm-hmm. it's almost like a a repeating eighth note or 16th note that's a little bit on the lag mm-hmm. and i've always loved that about certain rap because it's juxtaposed with let's take your song um sunrise mm-hmm. i love that tune Thank you. I won't. I will not even botch. No, give it a the, shot, man. I want to hear you. <laughs> I want to hear you rap. I wrote something down here. That's what I want to hear right now. Well, you're not gonna hear it. But I do love the fact. Is it Taya Lee, right? Tea Lee. Like, Tea Lee. Like, yeah, Tea Lee. 
it's a short song. It's only two minutes mm-hmm. or two and a half minutes. But I love how it's that. And then she comes into this very. Lag at the sunrise. <laughs> and then it's your back to yeah. you with that percussive. And you wait for that. The listener waits for that. Yeah. To me, it's hip hop pop. Pop sometimes has a negative, positive connotation, whatever. But I love that in that I'm okay in, with in it. your music. Like I said, not not a lot of people get to, um, especially with hip hop, we don't get to express everything that we want to do. There are certain stereotypes that people want to buy. There's certain topics that certain people want to hear every mm-hmm. time from a rap artist. I'm lucky enough I get to rap about. For the most part, whatever I want. I don't really care what people in my neighborhood think, and I really don't care what people outside of my neighborhood think. I'm going to do the music that I want to do. And I don't think that much people get that opportunity to do that. I'm not married to uh, making money for music. I just want to make good music. Obviously, there's plenty of cats in, in the, the inner city that are making fantastic music on their own, and they don't have to delve out into different sounds and stuff like that. But because I did grow up with indie rock and punk and stuff like that, I want to put that in my music, and I'm lucky that I can. I'm lucky that I can put, like, you know, the different stuff. Like, you know, I can do a hip-hop pop song, or I can do a hip-hop punk song, or whatever if, if i choose to yeah keeps it interesting it's obviously what you feel it's your own creativity speaking i do like the um yeah. my monday morning music yeah, was that too was sunrise that's the record with sunrise that's the one the one we did before this last record torch song torch song is the new record kind of a more political um record along those lines of what you were saying i mean drawing right from your bio Drawing inspiration from a diverse background of influences, you spent the last few years reinventing your craft and forming alliances to inspire your work. Yeah. So you're searching out people for inspiration, it seems, and you've you've obviously met some pretty amazing, yeah. amazing people. Yeah, um, lucky. <laughs> yeah. You know what is it about finding your inspiration from other people? who are doing their own thing. What is it about the collaboration that you think is different from you forging in one direction yourself? Well, not, mean, that, not that either is, is good or bad. I'm just trying to... Well, hip-hop is, hip-hop is um, everything beautiful. It's a bit of this, it's a bit of that. It's every music. It's country, it's hip-hop. I mean, they tell stories like country. They, they use jazz samples. They've it's very been very uh, sample-laden for many years because all we couldn't afford the instruments... So taking a record and taking the good part of the record and making a song out of the good part of a song, you know, is how we would make the music. So it's very cheap to do. It's very easy to do. Anyone should be able to do this music. But as you know, it's grown over the last uh, 40 years. And we've realized that the, the makeup of taking somebody else's music samples and stuff like that is not very lucrative, you know, so you got to create, you got to find new things to set you apart. For me, what sets me apart is, is staying true to myself. When I was a kid, I had nine aunts and uncles who would pick me up to take me to my grandparents every weekend. My mother has nine brothers and sisters. Mm. So depending on who picked me up, for this 45-minute drive from Roxbury to the South Shore to see my grandparents, it depended on, on the music. So my aunt would be listening to the Smiths. My uncle would be listening to, to Wasp. My other uncle would be listening to um, Adam Ant. 
you know mm-hmm. my other uncle would be listening to prince <laughs> you know so depending on who picked me up is what i got and i'm lucky that i had that experience because i never knew music to be any different you know like hip hop is not different than indie rock indie rock is not different than blues it's just it's all good music well and, we've uh, heard a lot about influences and how that happens but i've never heard that before that's amazing yeah. nine I, different brothers and sisters <laughs> take my, yeah, for the most part you might have your your mom and your dad's yeah. music and, yeah. and maybe so, an older brother or sister yeah. maybe you'd have maybe two or three tops different types of music you'd yeah. have and that kind of influence oh yeah i don't know what i guess it, this is what happens when you have that kind of influence. You but you're in a car like, too you're in a car, you have 45 you're, minutes. It's not just like you're hanging out in the house. I mean, you know you're going to get a different dose of music each time. Oh, yeah, I yeah. treasured it. I was a quiet kid, and I paid attention a lot. Yeah, I, I got lucky. I gravitated more of the punk and the rock stuff. Like, I loved Journey. I loved Rush. I loved that stuff as a kid. The Smiths, loved the Smiths. It's still like my daughter's name is Reese Morrissey Pope. Like, <laughs> really? Yeah. I'm a huge Smiths fan. I like oh, her huge, middle name. Like yeah, I got lucky in that sense because how many? I don't know too many people that had that experience. So it's like I'm trying to put that into my music. Now, a young kid from who's 13 and grew up in, let's say, Brockton, and has only been accustomed to R&B and, and hip hop his whole life, his experience of what music is is going to be completely different sure. than mine. It doesn't sure. make it any less or any more. You can make great music having that experience, just as you can make great music having my experience. You know, when so, did rap start for uh, you? I was walking down the street. I had just gotten into this this program called City Year. It's basically feeding the homeless. I, I taught little kids after school program and AIDS action committee. And uh, you do this for a year, and you get you know a grant for school, mm-hmm. college. My first night, um, I'm walking down the street in Harvard Square. This kid is beatboxing for money. He looks at me. He goes, "Hey, you rap." And I go, no, nah, I don't rap. He goes, yeah, you do. You just don't know yet. And I was uh, 18 years old. Yeah, cha- changed. You remember who that guy is? Do you ever? Yeah, we still talk to this day. What's yeah. his name? Woodrow Ferguson. He's a rapper in the city. He actually uh, toured with uh, Michael Ferrante huh. for huh. Uh, yeah. many years. Yeah. He said, you don't know it yet. Yeah. So I went back there every day. Until, That's pretty spooky. So I could see him again. <laughs> I stayed in my house and I taught myself how to rap because I was definitely influenced by just that statement i didn't have anything i didn't have any really anything to call my own you know and i wanted something to call my own like you know you see kids break dance and you see a kid play an instrument you want to be that guy you know you want to be that dude that can play the guitar you want to be that guy that can sing but you're you know? listening to journey and rush true but uh, that was always a part of me but i always loved hip-hop too i can tell you right then it wasn't my favorite it wasn't my first love hip-hop was not my first love but with that being said, I'm lucky that I found it at the time that I found it. Because uh, without it, who knows what my life would have been like. Changed my life dramatically just by walking by this one guy. There's mm-hmm. another moment that changed your life dramatically, too. What was that? Being here with you fellas? Oh, <laughs> yeah. That, definitely. <laughs> well, there, we like to say... It's a life changer, baby. <laughs> yeah. Right. Get to the point. What? It's on your left hand. Oh, yeah, well... Yeah, that was that was kind of like a, a breaking point, right? Oh, with, with rain. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry. Can, can we start over? What's what are we what are we talking about? Life after God. Yeah, life after God. So he's talking about uh, the record that I made with right. uh, with rain. 
Right. I mean, I read a little bit about that, but I don't. I don't know the details. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like when you mentioned that the when you're 18 mm-hmm. and you're in Harvard Square, and that was a life changing moment. Mm-hmm. That is just organic. I mean, that's just like you're a kid, you're impressionable, and wow, mm-hmm. like you you heard beatboxing, and then this something spoke to you. But he also sort of drew you in. Oh yeah. But this was more of a career time that changed you with life after God. I did this band called Mission, and it didn't work out. I came home. You know, after being in the span in California, and I did another group called Project Move and another group, Electric Company, just because I, I felt like I needed to be in a group setting because that was the first only thing I knew. And then uh, right as I was about to quit music, period, is uh, I met this young dude, Rain, who uh, really didn't have anything going on. He really didn't have much of a direction. And uh, I was like, well, you know, in the end, I'm trying to quit, so let me just try this out anyway. And if it doesn't work, you know, I could just walk away. He was young and ready to try something new, you know, and that's, I think, a great great thing. And I, I wanted to do something that was my own more than doing the same thing that other people were doing. And I think this was a turning point for the both of us. I don't think it was. It definitely was. This dude sounded like Pete Rock and DJ Premier. He had, he had very classic hip-hop producer sound to him. And uh, we created something that was more of what we had grown up with, a, a indie rock, punk, hip-hop hybrid. I incorporate throaty screams into my music. I incorporate a lot of instrumentation. I try to keep a little bit of the, the, the punk and the, and the rock vibes there on purpose for that reason. You know, Radiohead changed everything for me. I loved Radiohead, so I was like, all right, well, how come no one in hip-hop is doing this song? I want to add some of this. Why, why can't we use Moogs in our music? You know, why can't we be artsy just like them? Why can't we distort this just like they do? Try to take the, the things that I hear and the things that move me and add it a little bit more and and rain definitely was one of the dudes that allowed me to do that so yeah that changed everything i'm curious are you a big reader yeah uh, i like to read not not as much lately and i just told my wife i need to read more yeah i I tell myself that every day of my life i need to read more but you know one of the other things that um that ruby rose said she does a ton of research uh when she's writing her lyrics you know i've written some songs and i don't nearly do that much you know, if it rhymes, then I'm psyched. You know, you know that's 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 the that's the limit of my my writing experience. But when everything you do is all about the word, that's such a daunting thing for me. Yeah, it's it's a tough it's a tough thing. Like uh, number one, it has to rhyme because it's hip hop, and it has to sound good. You got to sound cool. You know, but it's also and, a message too. Yeah, and if you're good at it, if you're really good at it, you make sense. So it has to rhyme and it has to make sense. That's so a lot what? of work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, and it's a lot of words too. It's not yeah. like you know a four line, a four line chorus might have you know a certain amount of words. Yeah, a typical pop song is going to have probably a quarter of the words exactly. Right. Yeah. And if you're rapping, you're speaking fast. Have a lot of things you're saying to fit into that rhythm or wherever you wherever you're placing it. Mm. You're saying a lot. In a saying small a period. lot of stuff. Yes. But, saying a lot in a small space but this is this is also the reason why people are like uh it's it's frustrating because people say oh anyone can rap and it doesn't get the 
the credit that it deserves. Like it's a lot. It's hard work to rap. It's hard work to write a song. Period. No matter what it is, it's more words than the average song. <laughs> you know. Well, and it's not and only it's, it's that. But tell me about freestyle. I'm so, not good at it. I so wish some people right. I'm not saying right. You're not good mm-hmm. at it. I'm saying what is really fascinating to me is the correlation between freestyle rap and improvisational jazz, mm-hmm. and it's the same analogy. Oh, because yeah, there's totally. people out there that are that are virtuoso guitar players or mm-hmm. piano players, and if you say play something in C minor, they're just a deer in the headlights, and there's no way that they could really come up with something on the spot. Yeah, it's the same way with hip hop too. Yeah, I just think it's a different type of mentality. It's a different brain wave that you you're using. I mean. When I was a good freestyler, because there was a time that I was I was really good at it, but I had never wrote. I wasn't writing then. All my focus was on just freestyling. And once I started writing, I was like, well, I don't want to be a good freestyler. That's like, what's the fun in that? If I write a good song, people will listen to that for the next 60, 70 years. But let's say you, know? you freestyle in the studio. Does that happen? Can't. It's never really good because you're slurring your words the, the whole thing about listening back to something when you're saying it in the moment and you hear it in the moment it sounds great but when you listen back to it you're like oh you slurred your words you're right. you're not really articulating it might not make sense it just sounded good in the moment and especially if you're hitting hot button words or he's describing you it doesn't matter if you're making any sense so you're just excited that somebody described you in the moment <laughs> and you're like wow he's all this stuff is coming out of his head right now <laughs> that's the excitement rather than it actually being a song you can play so the stuff that you do is mostly scripted mostly written now it's written i would rather someone listen to my song and listen to it again and listen to it again listen to it again listen to it again rather than just being excited about the one moment but now you know there's a juxtaposition there in you being a painter because that's not scripted. No, it's the same same mentality, though, because uh, you know the people that you go to a park and they can sketch you right there? You know, a lot of people that I know that can do that don't really take their time and make art and have art shows, you know? And maybe I'm wrong. I'm just talking about the people that I know. But I can't sketch you right here in the moment. But if you give me time... You call yourself a contemporary painter. Yes. So what does that mean? You're not painting I mean, still life, are you? No, I'm not painting still life. And I do do portraits of people, but I change a couple of things about what the painting is rather than paint exactly what I see. So that's know? an improvisation in there. Yeah, stuff. yeah. That, I feel like there has to be some type of... Um, interpretation yeah you're taking yeah you're taking you're interpreting it your way versus just painting you know what you see and there are a lot of people that that can do that that are doing amazing art but it's not interesting to me i mean i'm not impressed by that i want to see somebody make art what got you into painting i always painted even when i was a little kid i think for me personally like my mom worked a lot my dad wasn't around so like for me, painting was like that thing that I got accolades for. So it was like, oh, well, I can get attention doing this. So I would do it all the time. Then it was a certain point where you're like, all right, I don't want to do school anymore. I just want to paint and draw. So I did that, you know, instead. And then, uh, and then soon hip hop became that thing too, you know. Painting never went away. I'll probably always paint. I'll probably always do music in some way, shape, or form, but painting is just a a different type of thing that I can expel energy in. 
kind of let my feelings out in a different way. A painting is a song too. Yeah. A canvas can be, I think, construed as an individual creation, just like a song. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. There's an ending. You know? Have you used any of them on your album covers or anything like that? Early one, this record, Electric Company, I did uh, the cover for. But now I, I've been doing this thing uh, for a couple of years. I go to a bar and I sit at a bar and I draw faces on these um, bar napkins of the people that are in the room. Oh, cool. And then I take those faces and I mash them up all into one face. So there's like a face coming out of here, a face coming out of there. So some of it's like sometimes they're totem poles or I'm just sticking heads on top of heads. But it's all the drunk faces of the people. I, I keep the bar napkins and I put all the heads together and stuff uh, like that. So That's very hip-hop. Yeah. All these different faces, all these different musics, pulling them together into one face. There yeah. you go. I just, yeah. pulled, just pulled I just that made that up on the spot. Yeah, there we Pretty go. Pretty good, eh? That's, there we go. I just that's thought serious, that up all by myself. That's a serious ATB moment right Joe there. didn't help me at all. <laughs> no. It does make sense, though. I think about all the musicians I played with. <laughs> Lady Lamb, the beekeeper. Height, Tan Vampires. Rap is like Dutch Rebel. It's been a fun ride regardless of anything. Have you talked to Walter about your love uh, for music and art? Oh, yeah. Walter is a great, great artist. Man, he knows I love him, man. I don't have to, I don't have to uh, blow his head up anymore. He knows exactly yeah. how I feel about that dude. He's a great musician, one of the best voices in the city. Like, great, good dad, good dad, too. Oh, you talked about fatherhood in, in one of your interviews. Yeah, is that is I'm a dad. <laughs> parenthood, fatherhood, is that is that something that inspires some of your music? Yes, very much. I mean, t- I mean the parallel is tough because I'm older than most. Hip hop is funny because seemingly there's an age limit to it, which is unfair because, you know, any other music you get kind of praised for having a long career. Hip hop, they want you to kind of be done at a certain time. Really? That surprises yeah. me. Yeah, it's frustrating. You feel like there's an age limit. There's an age limit. Uh, It's weird because it doesn't make any sense because hip-hop is still very young. Right, still, so the masters are when who yeah. started all these. These are these are they're like just gods getting older. Yeah, I feel like people who are fans of hip hop should be able to have people their age that are rapping and not talking about kids stuff. Right, you know, so right, you know, they're it's talking like, about yeah, what talking happens about, to you when yeah, you're forty, when you're forty something years old, yeah. and you know, and I think that's a good thing. But it's just one of those weird things that I'm more lucky than most. Most of those cats that I grew up with who did music don't anymore. And here I am still, and still relevant. Being a dad, most of the other guys were worrying about where they're going to get their next bag of weed. I'm worrying about my kid got suspended from school and I got to go in to speak to the teachers the next day. Or I'm worrying about we haven't gotten any really good shows. You know, how am I going to pay for her school clothes? And all these other kids, like, you know, the younger generation. they're not going to get it. Yeah, they don't get it. You know, and your life, what's expected of you in your life at, at 40 is different than what's expected of you at 23. Tell us what you're doing right now. Actually, I'm back in the studio. I was back in the studio tomorrow. What studio? Where are um, you? Bridge Sound and Stage. That's uh, the Archetypes spot. That's my partner with Still Gold. Yeah. And um, we're still pushing the record, Tort Song, which is, uh, in my opinion, the, the best thing that we've ever done or I've ever done in my life. Allowed us to do all these fantastic things that we did this year, like Headline, the Sinclair, and, you know, sell out the shows that we sold out this year and stuff like that. And then uh, we're going to Europe in October. So, you guys, so the album will be finished before that tour? 
No, we're still pushing this record, and we're just starting to record. Uh, we have like kind of like an EP going. I think we're, I think we'll be done with the EP by the time that we leave. The record we did is just very important, and it's very important for the times, and um, pushing it and making people not forget about it and just listen is very important. So that's why we're we're still pushing that record. What's Torch? Song? Torch Song is a record about um, accountability and equality and love. That's what it's about. The whole record, <laughs> you know? So uh, Where'd you get the word Torch? Uh, torch Song, it's pretty much a song about love towards someone, even if they don't know that you love them. It's often used in uh, folk songs back in the day as, uh, as like uh, rally cries and stuff like that were considered torch songs because although you're fighting for a certain thing and you're arguing with a certain person, doesn't mean that the love behind this isn't there. Love's a good theme lately. Yeah, it is. I, I think it's a great theme, especially because of the times that we're in and how very easy it is for us to be separated. But when I mean, everyone has experienced love, no matter who you are. We need to talk about that a little bit more. Well, Mal, thank you very much for sitting with us. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate uh, being here. Good luck with the tour. You got some some gigs coming up in the states, though, in the in Boston. Yeah, we too, have right? a over on late October, which is going to be a lot of fun. We're headlining that as well. It's a it's like a playhouse cool part about it is that when we went to have the meeting for it they said because it is a playhouse every area is considered a stage so we can perform on the bar if we wanted huh, we can put, yeah we can perform anywhere in that place we're gonna go, go crazy on. that night yes <laughs> yeah we're, we're talking about something really awesome i don't want to All right, don't give it away ruin the surprise right, but good. we got something pretty pretty dope happening genres will be crossed that night <laughs> i like crossing genres yeah i love it that's what i'm all about Yo, this here for all mistreated ladies and backpackers, misfits, little kids who wearing their hat backwards, who live on the block with the weed, give me the therapy, where me and mom would conversate about the wrath of Eric B, and grandpapa would talk about John Lennon and let it be, name my daughter lyrics so she would carry my legacy through wars, famine, disease, dictators, and weaponry, the muddy water she crawled up out of fueling our destiny, for all the people that fell off along the way, rest in peace, I'm thinking about you every day that I Travel in orbit, been trying to find a better way, cause my view is distorted. Pull the kings who pull their souls on vinyl records I order. Sort of funny, I'm recording the poems that I've been writing. It's akin to giving birth or Kirk, riding the lightning, all these kids. Old folk love stereotyping in line, but disproportionate piece of the pie slicing my oversold on my life. The souls of forgotten Vikings in the land where men stand alone like floating hyphens or projecting my words like I'm in the crowd and mic is off. And everybody binge watching every episode of Lost. So myself, if I had kids, I would be more involved. So I ordered cable and mounted TVs on every wall. Chip on my shoulder is crazy heavy and very tall. Hoping that I die slow death to scribble my epilogue. Wondering if Tupac knew the legend was stepping off the light. The pen of Nasir writing the world is ours. Bishop in the whip, shook, taking flicks through the gloss. On September 7th, 1996, the world appalls. Couple years later, shape hope was locked up in bars. 20 years later, finally free with a better cause. Put my arms around him, I was scared that it was a mirage. Traded 
Find out more about Mo Pope at arclassicrecords.com forward slash STL dash GLD. And be sure to go see him at Oberon in Cambridge, Mass. at the end of October. Check out AmericanRepertoryTheater.org forward slash Oberon for dates. Go to AboveTheBasement.com where you can sign up for our newsletter, listen and subscribe to our podcast, like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, and look at all the nice pictures we post on Instagram. We are everywhere. On behalf of Ronnie and myself, thanks for listening. Tell your friends and remember, Boston music, like its history, is unique. 
Above the Basement Boston Music and Conversation is recorded at a beautiful Woodsill Table restaurant in West Concord, Massachusetts. Woodsill Table is honored to have been awarded three stars as the most sustainable restaurant in Massachusetts by the Sustainable Restaurant Association. The food is organic and locally sourced, non-GMO, and is absolutely delicious. Chef Charlie Foster focuses on seasonal ingredients and their own grass-fed livestock raised on the farm at Woods Hill in Bath, New Hampshire. Go to woodshilltable.com for reservations.